Happy Sunday, happy Sunday. How's everybody doing today? I want to welcome all our campuses uh, all over San Diego and in Oahu. Let's give and all the people watching online. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. Welcome to Church Sunday. Are y'all ready for Christmas? Yeah, that sounds real enthusiastic. Real enthusiastic. How many of y'all done all your shopping already? Yeah, how many of y'all haven't even bought a thing? Amen. Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. That's what uh, we're gonna, um, before we start, we're going to take our offering. And by the way, when we announce our offering, uh, because God loves a cheerful giver, let's cheer and celebrate. Generosity is our privilege, and we get, we get to give. We don't have to give. So let's give the Lord a big hand. Come on, church. I was at the mall yesterday with my wife buying a present, so I need some cheering up to, uh, today. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, uh, as we take an offering, I want to read something to you. Um, generosity is our privilege here at The Rock. And we get to give. And it's not here at The Rock. As believers, we are privileged and honored to worship God in our giving. Uh, yesterday, we had Toys for Joy. And I want to thank all the volunteers. We had about 1,000 team members. Let's give all those people a big hand. Actually, uh, more 2,000, actually. We had 800 people give their lives to the Lord. Over 800 people give their lives to the Lord. We gave out over uh, 4,000 toys and uh, meals and haircuts. I got a haircut that I'm going to talk about here in a minute and, and, and jumped in there and saw how the service was going to go. Uh, next year, and, and I want to encourage you in this, next year, starting in January, we're going to have a series that, uh, called The Year That Changed My Life. And we're going to ask you to give us, the Lord, the church, and what the mission is of this church, one year of your life. One year. I want you to start thinking about it now. That one year you would say, God, I'm going to be committed. If you ever want to do something you've never done, you got to do something you've never done. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking about that, praying about that now, because we have to increase our leader, our team members serving in all different ways by about a couple thousand people. If we really want to serve and make the impact we want to have. We just don't want to have people come here and listen to us speak and do worship and that's it. We want to serve the community. Can I get Amen. And so for the things we want to do, for the things we want to do, we need people because we have to do it together. And so I, that in January, beginning of February, we're going to have a series called The Year to Change Our Life. And we're going to ask you to come. We're going to ask you to say, I'm putting my stake in the ground. And I'm going to decide where God wants me to serve. Uh, when I was at the mall yesterday with my wife, um, I was seeing people from the church and then say, hey, where do you serve? Let's go. Where do you serve? Let's go. People come and say hi to me. If you come and say hi to me, you're going to get recruited. You know what I'm saying? You ain't going to get, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, wait, where you at? What you doing? What you doing? <laughs> I, I tell you all stories all the time. People like, oh, I love the rock. When's the last time you've been there? I go on Saturday night service. Well, we don't have Saturday night service. So <laughs> you ain't been in years, okay? <laughs> um, but, but that all requires money. This requires money. And, and it's all part of our worship to God. Not only are, do we get to give, we get to receive the benefit of giving. Because when you give, you open up the windows of heaven on your life. God promises that in Malachi chapter 3, that he opens up the windows of heaven. Matter of fact, God says, test me in this. Uh, we, we just ended our um, Heart for the House campaign. Actually, it's gonna, people are going to give through the end of the year. We had a goal of $6 million. I want to show you where we're at. We're just over $2 million. Um, and you can pray about that. There's a pray about saying, I want to invest in the future. Let's give the Lord a hand on that. Come on, church. 
I want to invest in 2024 and what the church is going to do. Uh, there are several ways to give. Use a QR code. You can uh, give online. Um, you can give it uh, the boxes at all the doorways. And then in a minute, I'm going to pray and we're going to pass the buckets and you can give there as well. But as I pray, I, my ask is that you would say, God, uh, challenge me. You speak to me and challenge me to invest in what you're doing here and invest in what you want to do in my life. Amen? Amen. Deuteronomy 8.18, I'm going to read this to you. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Um, I was, um, a couple weeks ago, I had asked how many people would want to give a million dollars, and a bunch of people raised their hand. And how many of y'all raised, raised your hand? You want to give a million dollars at some point in your life. Amen. Raise it real high. You say, I want to love to be able to do that. I want to pray that over your life because the Bible says right there that God is the one who's going to give you the ability to, to create wealth that you may establish. Lord, I pray for everybody in all our campuses. I pray that you would inspire them, encourage them, give them vision for whatever they do in their life. I pray that as we prepare to give, you would increase the blessing to them as they give whether they're giving online, whether they're giving in the boxes at the doors, whether they're going to put something in the bucket today, whether they're going to invest in next year in Hartford House. Lord, I pray that you would multiply blessing back to them and fulfill what you said in Malachi 3.8. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And test me, you said in this, if I would not open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there would not be room enough to receive it. Lord, I want blessings that I cannot have room to receive. I pray that over everyone in this church, that you would give them a glimpse of what that is and prepare them to be as generous as you called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll pass the buckets and we'll be back here in a minute.
Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for the ability to give. And thank you for the vision for next year. I pray that you would stir people's hearts to take one step forward on their discipleship pathway to be fully engaged in what you've called them to be as a disciple. And I pray you encourage us and challenge us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can I have all y'all stand up? Can I have all y'all stand up on all the campuses? Let's pray. Let's lift our hands in the air. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Keep your hands up. We sang a song here, Worthy is Your Name. And as I was worshiping it, I heard this little voice say, I want you to just tell the people to say my name. Say Jesus. Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. Yesterday was the Heisman Trophy. Keep your hands up, please. Yesterday was the Heisman Trophy Award. It's the best player in football, in college football. Um, uh, my brother actually was a runner-up in 1987, so I got to go to the award. It was an amazing thing. And three of the four guys mentioned their faith in God. And, and, and as a Christian, and one of them said Jesus' name, and I was listening for who's going to say Jesus' name. And this has nothing to do with the fact that he won, but it happened to be the guy who won. And, and he said it in the interview before he got the trophy. And it, it is a powerful name. We could say, I believe in God all we want, yeah. and that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But there's power in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. So say Jesus. Yeah. Say Jesus. Give someone a high five next to you. Give someone a high five. You may be seated. Here's my challenge to all of you out there. Say, say Jesus' name out loud to someone tomorrow. However you want to use it. Not in a curse. Not in a curse, but just say Jesus' name. Finally. So, um... If you could turn to uh, Matthew chapter 1, my wife had a birthday last Monday. She turned, <laughs> I'm not going to say how old she was, even though she is officially a senior citizen. She looks better than she ever has ever in my life. Amen. Amen. But. We, she, she had a birthday, so my daughter was over the house. She came down from L.A., and, and my daughter said, hey, would you be willing to, uh, what do you want to get, get for mommy for her birthday? I said, well, you know, whatever, what she want? I said, how about a purse? So I started having, like, my, 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 my lungs just felt like I was in the Himalayas. I couldn't get any, any oxygen, and, and my, my legs started shaking. So I, I, they were sitting on the grass, you know, in the yard, on the ground, out of the sun. They were just flipping through the phone. And my daughter said, let's look for a person. And she was on this website, and she just flipped the website, and it was just, there's like 1.7 million purses. And then I said, how much do these things cost? And then she started naming off the digits. And I, I got, a, I started, my sight was starting to get blurry and my, my legs were cramping up. It was, and I, I was saying to myself, how can it be that blessing my wife would be so disruptive to me? We're in week two of this series called, How Can It Be? Say, how can it be? How can it be that following Jesus could be so disruptive to your life? 
That's what I'm at. my question to you today. Because people think, well, I'm going to get saved and God's going to come in my life. He's going to forgive me of my sin. He's going to love me. And everything's going to be better. It's going to be disruptive. God is going to disrupt your life. Mary and Joseph. Mary's probably a teenager. Joseph ain't much, that much older. And it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, when he said to her, you are going to have a baby, she said, how can it be since I did not know a man? So you're telling me I got to promote this story that I got pregnant by God. Ain't nobody going to believe that. I remember that I was a youth pastor. <laughs> I remember our youth pastor. I see one of my, 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 my old youth, she ain't a youth anymore, but we, neither one of us are youth. But we, we, kids used to come to my house when I started youth ministry in my house. I had nine nationalities at my house. Most of them are Filipino. And this girl said to me one day, come on now, kamusaka. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, uh, this girl said, I got pregnant. I was like, oh, she says, I don't know what happened. I said, I know exactly what happened. You don't know what happened. <laughs> you, sure, you know what happened. So, so Mary's like, how can this be? Everyone say, how can it be? How can it be? That, why would God do this to me this way? Matthew 1.19, Joseph, her husband, said to her, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example. Joseph was a good guy. Joseph was, why would you do this to me, God? I'm engaged to this girl. She's, now she's pregnant. Who's going to believe that I didn't do something? Luke chapter 1, verse 30, it says, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. So here's a just man and a woman who found favor with God. God comes into their life and says, the Savior's going to come to the world through y'all, but y'all going to go through some stuff. So when you get saved, and some of y'all in here right now, your life might be, you may have given your life to Christ, and you're thinking, why is my life doing this way? It's normal. I got a, 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 a voicemail on my phone this morning saying, you're, you're killing people. Your church is killing people, and you're following Satan. I mean, that's like light stuff compared to the, the other stuff we deal with. But for you to walk with God and have things happen that don't make sense to you, that are disturbing. Now, if, you, if you're not saved, you're like, well, I don't want to do that. Why would I do that? Because what you got is worse. You'd rather go through disruption now and get your life right with God than go through disruption in eternity and never have a way out. So think about it. Abraham had a son. He had a son at 100 years old, and, and God said, now I want you to kill your son. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. So he took him up on the mountain, and he lifted up his knife, put him on the altar, and was going to kill him. And God said, my bad, just joking. <laughs> but imagine what that was like for those three days. He says, no, I'm disruptive. Noah, 120 years, the whole earth is, is evil, sexually immoral. All they think about is evil all day. And God said to Noah, Noah, I'm going to spend 120 years building a boat where it's never rained. And you're going to get mocked, laughed out, you and your family, your three sons, your wife and their wives, eight people, and you're going to get in and all the animals are going to come to you. And Noah's like, what? So he spent eight years, 120 years. You think that was disruptive? 100%. Moses, 80 years old, 80. He spent 40 years in Egypt as, a, as an adopted son of Pharaoh. Learn the Egyptian language. Learn the Egyptian education. Then he kills somebody. Moses killed somebody. Then he runs for 40 years in the wilderness, hiding, and he's a shepherd for, for 40 years. So he got educated for 40 years. Then he got uh, pasteurized, not pastor like milk pasteurized, but, but a pastor, became a pastor, shepherding, <laughs> shepherding uh, a sheep for 40 years. Now he's 80 years old, thinking, I'm just going to die and go be my, my business. And God says, we're just getting started. 
you got to go back to Pharaoh, back to Egypt, where you're wanted for murder, and you got to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He's like, and, 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 and I'm 80. Now, I don't know how old any of y'all, anybody here 80? I don't think so. Maybe one person's 80. You, you're not 80. <laughs> you're... Mo, Moses was just getting started, and he had to go back and confront Pharaoh. And, if, and, and, all the, and not only was Pharaoh and the Egyptians against Moses, the Israelites were against Moses. Moses was all by himself. The, the Israelites, once they, Pharaoh, he started talking to Pharaoh, they started even getting harder on the, on the slaves. So Moses was a marked man, and, Moses, and then he had to walk the people for 40 years in the wilderness, and all they did was complain. How many of y'all got people in your life who complain? Amen. Come on. How many of y'all are complainers? Okay. God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you doing this to me? Listen, Moses, 120 years old when he died, and God said, you belong to me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told not to bow to an idol. Nebuchadnezzar built an idol 90 feet, wide, 90 feet high. He said, when the music plays, everyone bow to this pagan idol, this pagan king. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we ain't bowing. And they said, if you don't bow, you get thrown in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, do what you got to do. They threw them in the fire. And guess what? They didn't burn. The Bible says they didn't have smoke smell on their bodies. And so, so disruptive. So God, if you follow God, your life is not going to go the way you want. I'm going to say it really clear. If you follow God, the, 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 your life is not going to go the way you want. It's going to go the way God wants. It's going to be way better than the way you want. But So when disruption comes into your life and you're like, how could this be? How could this be? Because that's how God does it. Daniel, they told Daniel, if you pray, we are going to throw you in the lion's den. If you pray, sound like the United States of America sometime soon. If you say Jesus' name, you lose your job. You're going to trust God. You know what Daniel did when they told him, if you pray, you're going to get thrown lines in? He opened up his windows and he prayed three times a day. You know what they did? They threw him in the lion's den. And you know what happened? The lion says, we got you. We don't listen to them. We listen to God. And they didn't eat him and they pulled him out. <laughs> come on now. Come on now. So here's Joseph, young guy, got his, his betrothed girlfriend. That means that basically when you get betrothed, it's, it's, it's basically an engagement. But in order to break the betrothment, the engagement, you have to get a divorce. So it's like binding. So they are engaged and they would wait about a year to have the wedding because the wedding was a, was a big deal and they had to save money. So it's in that time they're waiting to have this big, this big wedding that she says, I'm pregnant. How they worked that out, they didn't have the, like the little thing that you, the little test. So y'all know how you fight. For, right, let me go back over here and just so she found out she was pregnant. She says, I don't know who she told first, but she probably told Joseph, I think I'm pregnant. He's like, but we ain't doing anything. Did, were you with somebody else? No. Did someone violate you? No, it was God. Ain't nobody going to believe that. I don't have another story. So Joseph has to deal with this. And Joseph has to Allow God to disrupt his life. Three things and reasons, I'm sure there's 20, three reasons why God would disrupt your life. One, he wants you to be more courageous. Disruption is to 
change the normal course of action. In our world, we have this culture we live in. We talk the way we're supposed to talk, wear the clothes we're supposed to wear, you know, listen to the show, listen to the music we're supposed to listen to. And God says, I want to change all of that. God does not want you to be the same. There is no person on the planet that when God comes into their life, they're going to be the same. He's going to change your life. And the quicker you can just say, God, go ahead and do it, the better. But if you fight God, it's going to be more painful. And so God wants you to have more courage to be able to do the things he's called you to do. Look what it says in, to Joseph in, in uh, Matthew chapter 1. It says, while he brought these things, while Joseph thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Everyone say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary to marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Not only is Joseph's wife pregnant by some mysterious Holy Spirit, but the king wants to kill him. And then look what it says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 22. When he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, God, he turned aside to the region of Galilee. Not only does David, is, is, is Joseph afraid to take his wife to all the drama, but now the king is after him. God is saying, Joseph, I, this journey that I have you on is going to require more Courage. Let me talk to you guys out there. Our world is trying to punk you. Can't be a man. You're toxic if you're masculine. When someone comes to your house to rob your house, you better be masculine. And guess who's come to rob your house? The devil. He's come to rip you off. And God says, I want you to be strong and courageous. Everyone say strong and courageous. The Bible says 365 times, one for every day, do not fear. God wants you to be strong and courageous. If you are going to do what God called you to do, and now I'm talking to all of us in here, if you are going to do what God calls you to do, you are going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to look scary people, scary situations, scary words, scary confrontation in the face. More and more as this country and world going away from God, more and more as your family being anti-God, the culture being anti-God, you are, and I are going to have to be more courageous. And we can't just be a Christian, blend in, and, and have it just go away. It's not going away. It's coming at you. And so he said, Joseph, I want you to be courageous. I'm going to put you in a situation that's going to be scary. Don't be afraid. Everyone say, don't be afraid. I'm going to put you in a situation to be scary. When you go to work tomorrow, go, or wherever you go to school tomorrow, and the Holy Spirit reminds you, you're supposed to say the name Jesus to somebody. You're going to be like sweating. Your heart's going to be beating. You'll be like, it's just one name. Why can't I say this one word? Because it's spiritual. Because the devil doesn't want you to say that name. The devil doesn't want you thinking that name. He wants you to water it down and say, oh, yeah, everyone's good, everyone's good. No, no. There was one name under heaven by which may be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. But you've got to be courageous. You have to be bold. Number two, be more trusting. You need to be more trusting. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in dreams, saying, Joseph, trust me. Everyone say, trust me. God wants you to trust him. Trusting God means that you are declaring that he is reliable. 
God has never let any of you down. Now, he hasn't done what you wanted. He's done. How many of you ever had a situation where God wasn't doing what you wanted and you were like, you like the, like, like the munchkins on, on Cinderella. You know, and in the middle of, your eyes opened and you were like, thank you, God. Can I get Amen. It wasn't going your way, but you saw that God, and here's the thing, the devil always wants you to forget those things. And every time something else comes up, you got to retrust God all over again. You got to be reminded of what God has done for you in the past. He said, he said Joseph, you just got to trust me. Look what he said in Matthew. He said, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He's sleeping. And he said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Take Mary, your wife, and that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Hey, hey Joseph, you just got to trust me. He says, now, I don't know if any of y'all had to trust that God got your woman pregnant. That's a lot of trust. But you had to trust God to pay your bills. Can I get an amen? You had to trust God to get you a job. Can I get an Amen. You had to trust job to get trust God to get you through COVID or some disease or some illness. Can I get amen? And for all y'all who remember, my wife almost died two years ago. I had to trust God, and I was like, God, I don't like this. My wife is she's sick, and she was sick twelve days in the house before the hospital, saying she wanted to die. Then she went to the hospital and almost died, and I was like, God, this is messed up, but I trust you. Whatever happens, I trust you. And so God wants you to trust him. So when he allows you to go through something scary, which many of y'all might be going through something scary right now, God's like, do you trust me? Someone's sick in your family. You're sick. You're getting ready. You, can't, you don't have money to pay your bills. Tomorrow, you got to trust God. You don't know where you're going to get a job. You got to trust God. You don't know what you're doing with this knucklehead in your house. Or how are you going to get him out your house? <laughs> or how are you going to get this knucklehead out of your house? Psycho demon woman, how are you going to get her out of your house? You, you let her move in, you got all her clothes up in the fridge, in the, in the, not the fridge, in the closet. You got all her food, her, her, her vitamins up in the closet. How are you going to get this woman out of your house? And how you, or you, how are you going to get this man out of your house? Let me be an equal opportunity, uh, 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 whatever. And, and you, you're like, God, how do, I, how, do I, how do I deal with this? You got to trust God. And what does trust God mean? You obey what he do, what he says. When he says do it, he said, Joseph, go. Look what the Bible says in Matthew, Mark 2.13. When he had departed, an angel appeared to Joseph saying, arise, take the young child and go to Egypt. Egypt, that's way down there. Joseph, go to Egypt. What if God said to you, lose, leave, leave your job? I left my job to start this church. No, there was nothing. There was, it wasn't like I was going from one paycheck to another because there was nothing to give a paycheck to. It was just a dream. And God said, go. I said, cool, let's go. What's God calling you to do? Let's go. You may hear it in a dream. You may hear it in a sermon. You may hear it uh, just driving down the street and all of a sudden, God blows on you. And what does that mean? This peace comes over you and you feel God saying, "Um, you need to sell that house. You need to not buy that car because you really can't afford it. I can afford it. No, because you're going to lose your job tomorrow, but you don't know that. And I ain't telling you that until after it happens. You got to trust God. So when you give your life to God, you are taking your hands off the steering wheel. I have have a rental car because I got in a little 
bumper, uh, fender bender, I got this rental car, and it keeps every, I'm driving the car, and then it, the light comes, the, the, the dashboard says, take control of the steering wheel. I'm like, I am. <laughs> I am. Here's what God's car says. Take your hands off the steering wheel. Stop trying to steer your life. Allow the Spirit of God to go before you. Because what I'm going to do is in order for me to get out of you what I got to get out of you, I got to change things up. There's a machine. I don't know what it's called. But it's a machine. It's like a tractor with a, with a grip on the front that grabs trees. And then this big un- upside-down umbrella opens up. And this, 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 this grip, I'm just calling it a grip, it, it shakes the tree. And all the fruit come off. And all the fruit falls into this big umbrella. And then it goes into the machine instead of people picking it. It's just, the only way they can get the fruit off is to shake the tree. Sometimes the only way God can get out of you, what he wants to get out of you, is to shake you up. And so when God's shaking you, you're like, okay, God, what are you trying to do in my life? I'm trying to make you, I'm trying to make you a man. I'm trying to make you a woman. I'm trying to grow you up. G-R-O-D-E, growed. <laughs> you got to trust me. And lastly, we need to be more prophetic. Mm. God has a prophetic call on your life. God wants you to live into your future. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, what was spoken by the Lord through his prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and so they shall call him Emmanuel. That's in Isaiah. Matthew chapter 2, verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Each one of you and your life has a prophetic purpose. God has called you to fulfill something that he has called into existence in the future. The Bible says in Revelation 19 verse 10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, if you look at Jesus' life and what he said, he is declaring what we are supposed to live into. And he modeled what we're supposed to live into. And if you were to say to, to yourself every single day, When you get up in the morning, Lord, what do you want me to do to build your kingdom? How do you want me to live? I was watching this little video of a Navy SEAL, and he was was the, the bomb guy. He blows doors up. And he said he would go up to the door, put the bomb on the door, roll out the wire, and his boys are like over there watching, waiting for him to blow the door up so they could run in. And he would say one word three times, and then he would blow the door up. And it was execute, execute, execute. Amen. In the military, my man. <laughs> execute. Everyone say execute. Say execute. Say execute. And then he will blow the door, the door bulb, and then they will go inside. He said, when you wake up in the morning, you got to say those three words. I am waking up to execute, execute, execute. What God has called into my life. Lord, I want to walk into the prophetic purpose of my life. Now, what most people do is they get saved, they go to church, they sit there, and they just go about their life like they were before, thinking they got Jesus in their pocket, so when they die, they go to heaven. And God said, no, 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 no. I'm getting ready to change everything. I got saved. I stopped doing cocaine in one day. That was a change. Stop smoking weed in one day. That was a change. Got rid of the honeys in one day. That was a change. Got rid of, yeah, got rid of my, 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 the friends I was hanging out that we were going to the clubs with the honeys in one day. That was a change. 
changed my group that I was hanging with to this group just like that. Now, are changes still happening? 100%. That was 40 years ago. God's still changing stuff. But it's all on his timing. So in a minute, I want to pray for you. Because we're ending this year, and you're going to make a New Year's resolution, and maybe 11 days into that, you're going to forget what it is. And then you'll be here 40 years from now, maybe not here somewhere, saying the same thing. Ah, God didn't do anything for me. And, and God says, listen, I wanted to change your life. And I wanted to make your life so supernaturally incredible, but you wouldn't let me. So how can it be so supernatural? The only way your life is not going to change is if it's already perfect. You may think I'm a good person. Newsflash. In the kingdom of God, good is not good enough. I'm going to say that three times. The standard for heaven is perfection. So good is not good enough. Good is not good enough. There are going to be a lot of good people in hell. And the reason good is not good enough is because God's standard is perfection. And we try in our goodness to be good enough to earn salvation. We try in our goodness to do some religious habits, religious uh, uh, disciplines. Maybe God will accept me. God's like, I'm never going to accept that. That's why I sent my son to be a perfect role model and to offer a perfect payment for your sin and to rise from the dead and offer perfect proof that he was the son of God and that you have opportunity for eternal life. And so if you deny that salvation, there's nothing I can do for you because Jesus did not die to be an option. He died to be the answer and solution. And once you die, and think about this. Think about this. Jesus is in heaven being worshipped by the angels, sharing in the glory of God. And then the Father says, you have to go down and be a human. Do you think this is glorified compared to what he had? This is ghetto. got old, he bled, he was hungry, he was sad, he was worried, he was stressed to the point of, he didn't have to deal with that in heaven. You talking about disruption? He gets baptized and the first thing he has to do is be confronted by Satan? First thing he has to do is go on a 40-day fast? Then all his three years, people attacking him, accusing him, lying about him, <laughs> betraying him, stabbing him in the back, beat him, nail him to the cross? You talk about disruption? That's disruption. But then he rose from the dead. And so if we say, Lord, I am willing to do whatever you want. Oh, my gosh. Watch out. God will bless you beyond what you can ever ask or imagine. I'm going to tell you this last story that I'm going to pray. My son is a police officer here in San Diego. Been a police officer for 12 years or so. He's now a gang detective. But before that, he was patrol and SWAT. And they would wake people up. I would say, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, we're going to wake somebody up tomorrow. That's code for we're going to go at 3 o'clock in the morning and bust somebody's door and open and, and arrest them. I was like, man, can I go? <laughs> and my wife is like, she's every night, dear Lord. I mean, still to this day, she's just sending them prayers. She's worried. I said, Debbie, 
he's going to wake somebody up. They probably got guns in the house, but they're going at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they're going like 40 dudes strong. They got gear. They got battle rams and axes and, and bats. I don't know what they got. AKs, whatever. I said, he's going to be with a bunch of brothers, and he's, he's going to be more safe than he was when he was on patrol. When you ask God to come into your life, the devil's going to come against you, but you have to realize you got more backup now <laughs> that's in front of you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And here's my challenge to all of you. Is that you would allow God to disrupt your life. That you would give God permission. Not that he needs it. But he's not going to violate your free will. But for you to tell God, God, I trust you. And I trust that you have a prophetic purpose for my life. And I'm willing for you to disrupt my life. So I just want you to pray this in, my, in your heart. If you believe that and going into next year that you would say, God, I don't want next year to be like this year. I don't want to think like I thought. I don't want to eat like I ate. I don't want to study the Bible like I studied the Bible. I want it to be the way you want. And if it has to rearrange, if I have to rearrange my time and my friends and, and my energy and how I see things, so be it. So I want you to pray this prayer with me wherever you are, online, any of campuses. God loves you so much and he has something so much better for you. But at first it's going to feel a little uncomfortable but then it's going to feel better than you've ever had it. So in the privacy of your heart, just pray this prayer with me. Say, pray, dear God, I surrender my life to you. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I give God permission to disrupt my life. Lord, I trust you. You are always reliable to me. If you want to take my life to the right, I'm going to go. If you want me to move, I'm going to move. If you want me to give, I'm going to give. If you want me to serve, I'm going to serve. If you want me to read and pray, I'm going to read and pray. If you want me to get up earlier, I'm going to get up earlier. And I'm not going to consider it a disruption. I'm going to consider it a positive change, a prophetic change. So I surrender my life to you. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, change me. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, just slip your hand up really high. Slip your hand up really high. God bless you. 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 Lord, I pray for all those people, and I pray that even today they would write something down, one thing that you are going to do in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Travis. Travis is going to give you instructions on your next step. God bless y'all. Thank you, Pastor. Right, hey, let's thank the Lord for Pastor Miles. What a challenging message, encouraging message today. 
Uh, I, w- I want to invite you just a quick second. We got a video I want you to see, a little teaser trailer for our upcoming Christmas weekend experience. Take a look, and we'll come right back, and I'll pray for you. Tell you a couple things, and we'll go. That looks awesome. How many are making plans to be here for Christmas weekend? It's going to be a great experience. Uh, the prayer that Pastor Miles just led the room in, and many people made that decision to say, you know what, God, I, I want what you want. Change my life, change my story. How can it be that I'm going through this? I, I believe because you want my full attention, because you want the best for my life, and Jesus makes you better, and he makes you better at life, and sometimes that means that he doesn't change the circumstances. We have a great Christmas experience coming up in a couple of weeks, Friday, Saturday, and then a Christmas Eve service on Sunday. There are people in your life that need to make that decision. The decision that many of you just made right now in the room, there are people that you know, your brother, your sister, your, your parents, your kids, your coworkers, your neighbors, and you may be the only Bible they ever read. And you have an opportunity to say, you know what, come with me. Don't just beat me there, but come with me. Let me take you there. Sit with me. Don't, don't say, I'll see you there. Come sit with me. Come be, I want to tell you all about this guy named Jesus. He changed my life. And, and I go through hard things just like you go, th- go through hard things, but I have the hope of the world. He's the light of the world. And anybody that follows him and follows Jesus will no longer walk in darkness. They'll have the light of life. And so I want you to invite somebody. This is the time of the year where they're expecting the invitation. They're expecting the encouragement. They're thinking about it. God made them with the God-sized space in their life that's only meant for God to fill. And so they're thinking about it right now. So invite somebody. Bring them. Can't wait. Uh, Friday, December 22nd is at 6 p.m. And then Saturday at 4 and 6 p.m., We're going to have snow in the Rock Park on Saturday. That's a separate worship experience, drama, acting, music, message, different than what's going to happen on Sunday. Sunday, we'll do Christmas Eve service. That's at 9 and 11 and at 1 o'clock in Chula Vista for our Spanish speakers. It's going to be a great weekend. Plan on making it the whole time. It's going to be awesome. Maybe you come Friday and then bring somebody with you on Saturday and then double dip on Sunday. Come on, somebody. It's going to be great. Let's all stand to our feet. Clap your hands. Thank the Lord. Christmas is coming. If you made a decision today or you just need prayer for whatever reason because you walked in with a heavy heart, you walked in and you got something that needs prayer, you believe in God for something, come on, we're going to bring our leaders in the front here. They're going to go ahead and come forward. Let's thank the Lord for our our prayer warriors here. They're here every single week. You guys can come join me. And we still got a few more coming. But if you need prayer, don't leave here without getting just a, a prayer of peace. Someone just to speak shalom of heaven over you. Someone just to encourage you with God's word about your situation. So they'll stick around as long as you need us to. And then also at 11 o'clock, we're we're getting close. We have life class. Someone say life class. You may be thinking, well, what do I do next? I've given Jesus my life. I've been coming every week. Maybe it's my second week and I like what what I'm experiencing. I, I love what I'm feeling. I want more of God. What do I do next? Maybe your next best step is life class. 
It's something we do to introduce the whole church to who we are, what we believe, what our statement of faith is. We give you opportunities to join a group to serve, and we tell you all that Rock Church is made of, our story, our history, all the things that we're believing God for in the next year and the next season. That's at 11 o'clock here. Go outside and say, hey, where's life class? We'll tell you where it's at. Our people in front will get you in the right spot. Our info desk, Next Steps tent, everyone can point you in the right direction. Uh, we'd love to have you join us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for another great day, another great Sunday. I believe that we walked in and we're leaving different than how we came. With more hope, with more joy, with more, more of your love, more of your, your word on our heart. And we thank you, Lord, for that. We pray that you would lead us, Holy Spirit. As Pastor said, sometimes you want us to go this way. Sometimes you want us to go that way. Oftentimes you want us to be still and just know that you're God and that you're on the throne and you're still moving on our behalf. And so thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Fill us to overflowing today. Heal the people that need healing. Do a miracle for those that need a miracle. Breakthrough today, right now, for those that need breakthrough. We do this by faith. We lift it up by faith in the name that's above every other name. His name is Jesus. We speak Jesus. Do it one more time. Just say Jesus. Jesus. For we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So we speak your name with boldness this week and today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Rod Church. We love you. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week. Bring somebody.